mic, camera, action. Right, let's sort the buyers from the spires, the needy from the greedy, and those who trust me from the ones who don't. Because if you can't see value here today, you're not up here shopping, you're up here shoplifting. You see these goods, never seen daylight, moonlight, Israelite, fanny by the gaslight. Take a bag, come on, take a bag. I took a bag home last night, cost me a lot more than £10, I can tell you. Anyone like jewellery? Look at that one there. Handmade in Italy, hand stolen in Stepney. It's as long as my arm, I wish it was as long as something else. Don't think because these boxes are sealed up, they're empty. The only man who sells empty boxes is the undertaker. And by the look of some of you lot here today, I make more money with me measuring tape. Here, one price, £10. Welcome back to the Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, myself and my esteemed guest will watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography and consider how it ranks amidst their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. I'm your host, Jack, and today, to launch the show, I'm joined by your neighbourhood friend and mine. The Spectacular Spider-Dan, to discuss the debut of the Stath in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. We watch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So, my good friend Spider-Dan, welcome to the show. I can't thank you enough for assisting me in launching my new venture. Oi, oi, Savaloy. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you very much for having me on and being the first guest. I am truly honoured that my biggest fan of my podcast is inviting mm. me on his very own. Well, that's it. It feels like a full circle, doesn't it? I mean, absolutely. been chatting for a long time, for years, really, hadn't we? And then we met mm. about a year ago now, maybe? I can't yeah, remember yeah, when episode 100 not- came out. I think, I think, yeah, it was around March, wasn't it? I believe it was around March that we recorded it, but we, I knocked it back because I didn't want to interrupt the mm. the flow, the flow of, because um, it was the, the whole idea of that episode was it was our first meeting, which it was technically. Yeah. Yep. Um, but Tony's, uh, the season's greetings episode mm. was going uh, to happen before. So I went, right, I can't have that. Uh, <laughs> not that it was a bad episode, but I was just like, we can't. I need that to be organic. I needed mm-hmm. that to be right. So, uh, so we we fast tracked that episode, even though it wasn't for quite some time. But I thought it was uh, one of my favourite episodes. Easy. Yeah, and you know, our, you know, our our brotherhood has only blossomed since, hasn't it? We're you know, we're in two, we're in with both barrels to to coin the film. <laughs> oh yes, yes, double nice. barreled, fully loaded, <laughs> lock stock. Um, uh, neither of us are smoking, but we could if we wanted to. No, we, we, yeah, we could, I suppose, yeah, if we wanted to end our <laughs> lives even earlier than they, they may well do anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got asthma, so it, it certainly wouldn't help um, any Not of my idea. breathing problems. So, yes, we won't do that. We won't do that. We'll leave that to the uh, the film's characters. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Whatever they choose to smoke, good on them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here. It's episode one. It's a... Uh, Auspicious start, I think, for the safe lock stock. Um, getting in mm. with one of the four main roles in his first feature is probably quite unusual. 
it is a habit of mine. So this show is going to tap into my OCD tendencies to have an act. And I do like to kind of watch through. Um, I, I'm in the midst of doing DiCaprio currently with my partner. Um, we've already done Tom Cruise. We've watched all of Ruth Wilson's um, output, theater and, uh, and, and films. So it's definitely something which I'm drawn to do as a person. So I just thought, why not record myself doing it, talking to my mates, letting the world share in the joy, I suppose. Absolutely. I was enjoying your Critters reviews recently. Because mm. uh, you are the completest. I think Tony said it before. You are the completest, regardless of, of what will happen and what will <laughs> come. You, you've got to finish them all. You've got to do them all. You've got to catch them all, so to speak. Mm. For better or worse, <laughs> you're quite right. Sometimes mm. uh, I put myself through, <laughs> through the mill to make sure I get there. But it's good. It's good that you allow yourself to experience these things because you never know. These ones that are critically panned, you may mm. love. You never know. Uh, Absolutely I always true. go in. I always go in with that, hoping you know that it's going to be you know the gold standard, the masterpiece, and mm-hmm. you know it could be. I like a lot of films that people don't like mm. uh, more than more than most probably. Um, and as as one of the latest podcasts has, has gone on to show, but uh, I won't spoil that particular podcast. Oh, lovely! Uh, but uh, let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a wonderful idea. So, I, a wonderful idea for a podcast. I think it's inspired. Well, I think it's our like minds which drew us together in the first place, wasn't it? Your sense of like giving everything a try and trying to talk about and find the joy and the the good and the the positive behind the scenes or, you know, you always try to find something to talk about, even if, you know, even if it's the Ewok movies, um, <laughs> yes, you will find the true. joy in reviewing those. Um, and I think, you know, I try to do the same, you know, we can be critical when something is shit because there, are, there is yeah. shit out there. But as we were just talking before we started recording, you know, getting a film made is really hard work. And as long as you acknowledge that and you, you look at the success, but when it's there, even if it's a small thing, a performance or a, an effect or an edit or a, there'll be something to, to, to appreciate, I think. Absolutely. Every single time, you know, you'll find like all the Spider-Man movies I love in, in their mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. unique mm-hmm. ways. And there's, you know, I love Spider-Man in general. And there'll always be something, even a scene or a reference or, you know, whatever it may be. I'll always pull something fun and just go, well, they got that bit right. Or I like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And this was nice. Um, there's always something good to find. In a bucket of shit sometimes. <laughs> Which isn't a good place to go for here, because I don't think this is a bucket of shit. No. But I can't, can't wait to hear what you think. I, I will say it does look like it's been dripped in raw sewage. Mm. Uh, just, just, mm. just the colouring on, yeah. on it. I'm not saying the film is raw sewage, but it mm. does have that light brown <laughs> Looks like you uh, wiped coloring. your ass with it. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> before we Rhyme. get... It's grimy, that's true, yeah. Before we get into the film, um, as this is episode one, or I think it's worth talking about the state a little bit before we get to his actual performance Mm. in Lockstock. Because he'd been around for about eight, ten years maybe before this, but not in Mm. the places where you might expect to find him, I suppose. So I don't know if you know any of his back history, if you've uh, seen any of the lovely tweets that I've sent out that have got um, some of his previous work in it. Uh, I've not, I've not seen the, I've not seen all of the tweets, but I know he was, uh, he was a martial artist, obviously. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Was, that was part of his thing. He was also a diver, I believe, mm. Olympic diver. Um, and not also... a very good one if you see the footage, but yeah, he was one. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> and he also, I know from reading the IMDb on this that he was the kind of Cockney geezer mm. seller, you know, street seller, you know, a, a kind of a Del Boy type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, out the back of the van sort of thing. But um, but no, tell me more. I'm I'm interested. I mean, it, you just said it there, really. He's like a jack of all trades, or he's a jace of all trades, I suppose. Um, yeah, he had he had quite an interesting existence. So yeah, if you if you just Google like Jason Statham diving, it's hilarious watching him. It's, I mean, he got to the Commonwealth Games, so it's a bit unfair. Clearly, he was good at what he was doing. Um, he just made a big splash, which obviously is the opposite of what you should be doing when you're yeah. a diver. <laughs> um, sadly, so it didn't quite pan out from there. But it's it's quite. I guess it's quite fun knowing how successful he's gone on to be like watching, you know, if that was, if that was his one moment, it'd be really sad but because he's gone on to be a mega star. Sure. It's not too big a deal. Um, but then, yeah, he started his little foray into modeling. I couldn't find too much of that, which was a shame because I was really keen on seeing some of his um, catalog work. Cause you know, he's a handsome guy. I'd, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, I, I think it'd be interesting cause like he has quite a high hairline. Well, I've got a non-existent mm. hairline now, but, um, but you know, like I've had, I've had some people say, Oh, you've got that look about you and stuff. And mm. I did a, I did a Batman fan film a while back and, mm. and my, my inspiration for playing Alfred because mm-hmm. it was this young kind of, younger alfred mm. slightly younger alfred more a bit more you know i i was in a, a very good shape at the time so you know i was a bit more lithe a bit more action oriented so i i based it on jason jason statham so Love i was you know cockney geezer I'm like, <laughs> master wayne i've taken the liberty of upgrading your armor <laughs> you know all that sort of stuff you dippy bastard um it was it was a very much in mm. in line with that and even i went i, I laughed because i went to it's not a, it's not a good fan film i've talked about it before um but uh it's i i, I was watching the batman mm. and the, and and andy circus says i've taken the liberty and mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. laughed to myself i was like of all the of all the alfreds <laughs> he's, he's taken inspiration bastard. I know he's a dippy bastard. He is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's not about it's not about the Batman. We're talking about the Stath. Um, I like I like the Stath. I mm. like the Stath. Uh, I think he's I think he's a really uh, committed. He always gives it hundred ten percent. You kind of know what you're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. I think um, in some in some respect. I did watch uh, one of the films which uh, was on the list. I caught halfway through, and I, I was really thrown because it wasn't really an action movie. It's mm. called Wild Card, mm-hmm. um, and it was like it wasn't really. It, it kind of ended. It's more like a drama, like an mm-hmm. addiction drama about kind of Las Vegas and gambling and stuff and trying to get out of that life. Um, and it kind of just ended, and I was like. I thought we were in the middle. <laughs> like right, just yeah, ended. Yeah. So um I might need to rewatch that one because I think it is more of a serious kind of take mm. in a drama role. Um but yeah, I you know, he's great. I I love the transporter films personally, mm. and uh I think he's you know, he's in the expendables. I, you know, there's a lot of people in that, but I think again he delivers, you know, he's probably the second main character, I guess, in the Definitely, expendables. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I've I've always enjoyed him. I think he has fun. I think I think his role in in Spy is is comedic mm. gold. It's mm-hmm. genius. Um, you know, he's just he's got a sense of humor about himself, and I, I like that. Yeah, about actors uh, when they do that and they take the fun and the mick out themselves. You know, I appreciate that because it's mm. you know it, it can get a bit stuffy and, mm-hmm. and, and people mm-hmm. can get up up themselves a bit too much. But no, I, I've always liked his work, and and I can't wait to hear what you and your other guests think of his other films as well. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think committed is the word. And I think he is so grateful, isn't the right word, but he appreciates the position he's 
not found himself in because you know he has worked hard but i think he appreciates his his place now in this machine hollywood machine and i think he continues to put put in the work continues to look amazing so you know, he mm. works off off camera to keep his shape but he continues to work on camera in the roles he's given be it the slightly more dramatic like um wildcard mm. that you mentioned like hummingbird is another one where he's mm. he, he's not phoning it at all he's working really hard and as you say look when he delves into spy and he ups the comedic chops yeah i think you can argue he has limited range but i do think he has some mm. but he stays in his wheelhouse of what he knows he can do yeah, I, I I do remember his accent in the one, mm. and I went. I remember going, Oof, "That's not that's not great." Um, and then accents are not his strength. No, no. After that, he never really did another accent again. And that I was like, that, "You've you've learned from that. You've gone." Yeah, not not really my bag. I am what I am, and I'm gonna make what I am the best it can be. And I yeah. appreciate about that about him. He's a bit of a bit of a Michael Caine in that way, isn't he? Just you know, no yeah. no matter who you're playing, where you're from, just talk how you talk, Jace. <laughs> It's fine. Or like, or or a Sean Connery, you know, that might be a better, yeah, of course. A better, a better comparison because you yeah. know, even even when he's an Egyptian Spaniard, you know, <laughs> in a Highlander, he's still Scottish as anything. So, and, yeah. but you kind of you kind of got to appreciate that in a way as well that mm. they'll still stick to his chops. You know, even in the Untouchables, it was like you're not really Irish. No. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, again, like you know, if people expect Statham to be Statham, you expect mm-hmm. that voice, you expect the the Cockney geezer attitude to come out, mm. and 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 you know, invariably in whatever film it is, fantasy action drama you're gonna get it mm, absolutely yeah what i read was something i thought was really interesting was that he talks about his like inspirations and who like he who he looks up to as as actors and as um you know as professionals who he could compare himself to and the list is fascinating so you've got sylvester stallone makes sense bruce lee with his martial arts you've got paul newman steve mcqueen and clint eastwood what do you reckon to those five people? Well, they're all they're all they're all kind of hard men, aren't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in one way or another, or if they're not a martial artist, they're um, you know they're, they're like you know Dirty Harry and yeah. I guess I guess with with Stallone and kind of Rocky, I can see he's the kind of underdog. I can mm-hmm. just, you know he's tried his you know Rocky's tried his you know Stallone's tried his hand at many things, singing, comedy, what have you. Um, you know, he's tried his best. And and again, he kind of fits into that more popular mold of, of mm. the action hero, mm. um, you know, mostly Rambo and Rocky. Um, I think Clint Eastwood is definitely maybe it's a sign of his more artistic chops, maybe mm-hmm, Statham, mm-hmm. because obviously uh, Clint Eastwood is a director and he, you know, he doesn't just do action movies like, you know, Stallone mostly does. Um and yeah, I could see that. Uh, Bruce Lee obviously is is a big. I can sure is a big inspiration physically and for martial arts as mm. well. Um, but Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, they're all about charm. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of charm with their performances, and there's a lot of likability. Um, and there's acting prowess, I think, as well. I think with mm-hmm. all of them, there is there is acting prowess. So. Um, I, th- I think it is quite telling actually those choices mm. and those, and they kind of make a lot of sense to see where his career has gone as well. Mm. I think if I had to pull like strands of actors into DNA to turn to Jason Statham, I'm not sure I can think of five better people. Like he has mm. that twinkle in his eye of like a Newman or a McQueen of mm. that cheeky, like charisma, as you were saying, like, and he's having mm. fun and he knows those guys always knew they were film stars and always knew even how no matter how hard they acted they were always 
I think they're always Paul Newman. They're always Steve McQueen. They're always actors portraying a, a role rather than losing themselves in a role. Sure. Personally, yeah. I love them both. I think they're both hmm. fantastic actors, but I yeah. think they were always an actor in a role rather than hmm. an actor losing themselves in a role. And I think, yeah, he's got that too. Hmm. I think like n- none of those act- uh, th- none of those are character actors. No, you know what I mean, there's not there's not you know a, a bloody a Willem Dafoe. There's nobody that it's not as transformative mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of those actors. Aren't as transformative as you know, say more talented actors, not more talented actors, but I know what you're saying. It's a different style. Character act. Yeah, Yeah. a different style, you know, um, that that actively transform Gary Oldman is the best example for me. Yeah, sure. Just absolutely transforms himself from film to film. Mm -hmm. Um and I think he's like one of the, if not the character actor for me. And and he is unrecognizable from, you know, from Leon, Mm -hmm. uh, from from Bram Stokers, from Batman, from Harry Potter. You know, he, he, I think I saw a clip the other day where Alderman was like, "Oh, uh, kid went up to him, and went, oh, you're you're uh, you're um, bloody um, serious black from Harry yeah. Potter," and the other kid went, "No, no, you're an idiot. He's Commissioner Gordon." <laughs> like, like exactly. The kids were like, "No, you are this. This is yeah, definitely yeah, you." Yeah. And then and the other kid was like, "No, and they're going to fight. Probably going to fight BVS style." Um, and and that just shows to that goes to show how strong a character actor he is. Agreed. But I think with those actors as well. They also know what they're good at and mm-hmm. they know their worth mm-hmm. and they know how to deliver on what they're good at. And mm-hmm. I think Statham is exactly the same. Mm. Agreed. I reckon Gary Oldman and Christian Bauer, the two, two people who come to mind when they talk in their own accents, I'm like, what? Mm. Who, who's that? They're, they're like, I, I don't know what they sound like until you hear them talking. And then yeah. you're like, oh shit, that's what you really sound like. You, mm. you can't, you can't hear it until you look, like, you can't, you don't know what it sounds like until you hear mm. it. Um, yeah, Oldman, Oldman is on the list. That is for sure. For years down the line, oh, yeah. if this podcast still going, I'll, I'll do every episode, man. I'm happy yeah. to. <laughs> if you need me to, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there because I even I, you know, like think of stuff like even you know spoilers. But he's in Hannibal. He's not credited, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. in Hannibal. And again, you can't recognize him because there's a lot of makeup, but mm. also that voice mm. is not unlike anything Gary Old ever that has ever come out of Gary Oldman mm. before and or since. Mm. Um, so yeah, just incredible. Anyway, Statham is Statham. Great. <laughs> Statham. So this is film number one mm. on the list. He's made 41 films to date. By the time I get to the end of this, it may be 42, it may be 43. We'll see. Um, how many do you reckon you've seen of the 41? I want to say like a good maybe 10, 12, maybe 10, 11, 12, okay. I think. I, th- I think it's not not like a lot of the, probably the more kind of blockbustery ones. I think yeah. maybe um, I've seen, definitely seen all the transporters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely seen Snatch. Um, well, I'm just trying to think. Well, Wildcard, I guess, I've technically seen. Yeah. All the Expendables. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, spy. Um, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I think a, a good a good handful that I know mm. what to expect from Jason Statham in a film. I'd say definitely. You're still getting a range within that, aren't you? You're getting mm. like um, Transporter Statham is the one which really which he blew up in. I think obviously mm. I discovered him here. I did oh. see Lock Stock at the cinema, but the Transport was mm. the one, wasn't it? Was suddenly gone. Yeah, I was going to say Crank as well. I've seen the Crank. Oh, film, of course. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So so kind of about ten or so, I'd say. 
yeah and you get expendable sidekick statham and you mm. say so you and like you say you've seen the more dramatic statham you've seen the overly comedic statham so you have seen the broad scope i reckon of yeah oh, oh, I, t- I, I tell a lie i've seen one of the fast and the furious films oh, yeah. and hobbs and shaw as well there you go so uh that's that's it that and that's like Fast and the Furious 7 or 6. I've not seen any of the other ones. Yeah. So I, start, I started at the right place, I think. Absolutely. When the stays there, you, you should check in too. Definitely. It's um, the one where he rescues a baby. It's that Fast and the Furious. 8, I think. Fate yeah, that will be the one. Yeah. Hardboard, um, you know, homages. I'm here for those two. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So we know we know where we're at in terms of, in terms of our state fandom. It's pretty high, mm-hmm. I would say. What about Lockstock? Have you seen it before? I have actually never seen Lockstock. Mm. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, again, another fair smattering of Guy Ritchie mm-hmm, films. Mm-hmm. I've seen Sherlock Holmes. I've seen Snatch, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have I seen? I saw Aladdin, um, t- to my detriment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't think even he wants to see Aladdin. I know you've seen the King Arthur one, which I'm, I'm not sure if I'm... Yeah, I'm not Don't sure if I'm ready, bother. quite ready for for lock stock and and two smoking Excaliburs. No. Um, That's <laughs> good. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I've seen I've seen a, a fair few, and that pun is better seen... than anything they managed to do in the movie. I'll tell you that right now. Oh Jesus, I wasn't even trying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christ. Um, but there you go. But yeah, I, I, I he does. I think he does. I don't know what you, you, there's probably a script writing term. I, I don't know if it's maybe comedy of errors or, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, because because mm-hmm. it's all these kind of disparate characters, disparate mm-hmm. elements that kind of come together in a kind of, um, you know, uh, climactic, catastrophic finale. Like it mm-hmm. all just kind of blows apart. Very much like True Romance, which is, you mm-hmm. know, it's got a large cast and it's, again, it comes to that massive climax where all the all the different stories weave together. And mm-hmm. again, there is probably a script writing term for it, but I'm going to say comedy of errors because again, it, for this, yeah. it's like, it's mistakes happen that causes the, the, you know, the complications and the issues and the problems and the intersecting stories. Um, but I really like that. I really enjoy that, that element because you kind of slowly see it and you see like, there'll be a flashback to a uh, breaker when he's watching the TV and the guy was on fire and things. Mm. Uh, and I like the interweaving of, of stuff like that. So I've always really enjoyed that element. I mm-hmm. love the kind of the Cockney geezer element. My, uh, I think my surname is from down South as well. My granddad mm. was a Cockney. So, so it's in my blood somewhere uh, to be a, a dodgy dealer geezer. Um, and so you're part Southern yeah. Shandy. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, jelly deals and all the cockles and everything. Yeah, um, yeah all the stereotypical stuff. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I I enjoy I enjoy this. But yeah, it was. Um, I, I don't. I think I prefer Snatch. If I'm mm-hmm. going to compare, mm-hmm. um, I think Snatch just the summit about Snatch is. I think he kind of he got his style and got his kind of bits. You know, everything was in place mm. and it works. But I don't think it works as well or as snappy or as well executed as Snatches. Mm. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because you'd obviously seen Snatch first. So going mm. so yeah, if, if I'd seen yeah. yeah, if I'd seen Lockstock first, I might prefer Lockstock. I don't mm. know. Um again, I've not mm. seen Snatch for a while, so I could be wrong. Um, I don't know if maybe I had a bit more of an international flavor. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, you know, with Brad Pitt and and all the other actors, American actors and stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good. I do I think it's 
you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread? Probably not, but I think it's mm-hmm. a very solid, entertaining, fun um, movie. If, you know, if you're looking for, you know, East End gangsters and stuff, this is mm. the movie for you. Well, this is the movie that kickstarted that mm. trend off, didn't it? I mean, gangster movies generally in, in, in the British film industry had gone away for a while. We hadn't really mm. had anything that had been a big success. I know obviously Tarantino is playing in that field and uh, over in the States in LA. And, and this is definitely influenced by him 100%. But um, we hadn't really had anything for a decade, I wouldn't have said, that was, yeah. a, that was a hit. And my God, we had a lot after this came out. <laughs> Well, I was gonna, I was going to say as well because this it's 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 funny because sometimes when I go back and watch a film, I'm kind of like I'm a bit nonplussed by it sometimes mm. because mm. because that film is so influential. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I've seen it done better elsewhere. So sure. so with this again, it's not a bad film by any stretch of the mm. imagination. But because I I've seen Rock and Roller as well. I saw mm-hmm. Rock and Roller. I really oh, like. Yeah. Um, and I think I've seen him do better, do it better personally. But mm-hmm. I also think in some in some circles and in some ways, I've seen films that I appreciate more be- or better. Because again, that was the first time I saw that mm. style mm. or that take on it. So again, it might be uh, it's a kind of almost like a backwards view of it. It's mm. again, I appreciate I can clearly see the influence and where it's gone, what it's done. But because I've seen it maybe so late, maybe it didn't have as as an impressionable effect on them as, as maybe yourself or other people that watched it when it first came out. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I was going to ask about your expectations before watching it, but you've answered that really in that you kind of expect it to be... You, no, that's not fair. You knew it was going to have the rawness because it was the first production for Guy Ritchie, um, mm. but also you'd seen what's come afterwards. So I guess you were hoping for, I don't know what the right word is, of yeah, something I, to, I, akin to that, of the same level. It's... I guess you can you can kind of trip yourself up with expectations, as I've talked about on mm. my podcast as well with certain films. Um, but I, I try I try and go in with kind of zero expectations of because I always feel like I'm going to disappoint myself if I expect mm. this to be the greatest film of all time because nothing ever will be. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think everything works in it. Mm. Um, I just think maybe some of his once he nailed what he can do in mm. his style, mm. I think he he only improves on it as as Guy Ritchie goes on. Mm. Uh, but I, I'd still it's still a very 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 solid film. Um, you know, for me, entertaining. It's got everything I want. Um, it's quite interesting because it it feels, um, mm. and I'm sure we'll get onto it with the ending. Mm. Um, I, I watched this on Amazon Prime. I think it's the director's cut, I believe, mm. and. And I got a very much like a modern day, I say modern day, it's fucking ancient now, isn't it? It's like 20 years, 20 years old now. Yeah, so. yeah, 20 plus, yeah. No, oh, yeah, I say, I say it's dead modern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I felt like it was like, a, almost like th- that generation or our generation's Italian job. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because especially with that ending, I got it during, but then when I mm. saw the ending, I'm like clearly like they love the italian job and they're trying you know you've got these these flamboyant gangsters mm. you've got these cockney geezers that are just you know just after a, a little bit of you know a little bit of something mm. uh and then you know on the at, at the end they may or may not have got what they want but we're not mm-hmm. sure i think there you go. it hits because obviously 98 this came out so what it's 24 years old now and i think it hits that that point of like we were back to being proud to be British at this point, I think. We'd had Euro 96. Um, we've had tra- Trainspotting came out in 96 as well, which was like a massive thing for like the British film industry. Mm. Like it was a really big success. And then 
we're into um, the next World Cup and, you know, that fever in 98. And I think it's just hitting at a really key point. We've got Oasis and Blur and we've got Britpop. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's just, it, it feels like it's just out at that right time when we're ready to celebrate that. And you're right, it has that Italian job feel. It definitely draws upon the Long Good Friday, which Guy Ritchie himself admit perfectly yeah. happy to admit that's the main influence on him well um um what's his name moriarty's in it and he's mm. in long good friday isn't it i've not that's i've not right. seen long good friday but i know i know from the okay MVP amazing film it. i mean so that grittiness and that comedy is complete like somehow richie does make it work here he does mm. manage to present a gritty world with as you said flamboyant characters and humorous mm. moments and and it is a melding of those two films really those two styles which is really difficult to do and i think it's lack of i, th I think it's imperfections actually make this a better mm. movie i mean i haven't got around to watching snatch again yet because i'm going to be a stickler i'm going to watch them in order and i'm only going to watch them <laughs> after i've recorded the podcast on the film before um i like it i like i like you've got how rules. my brain works yeah absolutely you've got, you've got, you have your rules i find i, I appreciate that you know i think that's good though because then you won't get as much crossover that's you know it. I, mean? I don't want to taint it. I don't want to really try and mm. try and look at Statham and how he grows across those movies. But yeah, I, I think I think he does do something special here. And you're right; he's got on to be a better filmmaker, as most people would do. Yeah, sure. I, I would equate it to that kind of you know, it's that first album that almost feels better because it's rawer. It's mm. if Snatch is Pulp Fiction, then Lockstock is Reservoir Dogs, and you know, Absolutely. Pulp Fiction is but it is. By any measure, a much better movie than Reservoir Dogs, but Reservoir Dogs has that rawness mm. and that like edge and that like it feels a bit dangerous and it feels a bit, as you say, grimy and dirty mm. and and I think Lockstock has that feeling too. Yeah, I, I think I think you are right. There's it might not be as like you said polished as mm. polished, um, definitely not. But it, it's still you know it's I think it's like like maybe for me it's like you know this is a good juicy you know quarter pounder mm -hmm, cheeseburger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but with like snatch i feel like i've got the steak mm -hmm. like i've got what it was originally or what it should have been mm -hmm. or what it could have been um again the quarter pounder is fucking excellent <laughs> you know it's not bad actually mm -hmm. in any in any word any state of the world again i've not watched snatch for a while mm -hmm. but I, I I just remember it being a bit snappier. Mm -hmm. it was, pacing was a bit better. The kind of, it was a bit more like, it kind of whirled you around a bit more. It was a bit more kind of frantic, manic. Mm. Um, I, I like that energy. I think with this, there is a, a lot of kind of like, stuff they could have just maybe just had a bit, get a bit more work in the editing room or something, mm -hmm. just snappier cuts or something. Again, nothing wrong with any of this. I just, I, it's just not as polished, but I do agree there is a rawness to it and there's uh, there's uh, almost like a kind of not what's the word amateur filmmaking definitely to it. yeah yeah there's like and again it, obviously it's his first film and stuff mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing like you've said it, it does give it a, a, a pomp and a power mm. uh, and it, it does grab you like from the from the get-go you're you're in Mm. And, and, you know, and I'm enjoying the the monologues and stuff. I'm enjoying the introduction of all these wacky characters because they are, it is wacky. It is oh, a it wacky, is wacky film. Definitely, like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it as such because they're like, oh yeah, it's dead cool. And it's got this, it's got geezers in, it's got guns mm. and all this, you know, um, you know, while I was a kid, because I, I would have been 10 in 1998. Mm. So, um, so it probably wasn't the right time for me to watch that anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I would have necessarily appreciated it, but um, I am glad I waited because I've, 
I, I you know, I was laughing all the way through it because mm. I thought this is this is brilliant. I think the the script is really sharp, really really good. Uh, wasn't it? Um, wasn't it Sting's wife who kind of mm. found found the script and kind of um, I can't I'm, I'm forgetting her name now. Trudy Styler, yeah. Trudy, that's it. Yeah, um, and she kind of found it, and it was a bit rough and mm. and roughshod and not really well written out and stuff. But there was an energy to it. There was something special that she saw in this kind of uh, uh, to quote Aladdin, a diamond in the rough. Absolutely, um, yeah. So she'd seen his short, his initial short movie, I think, Guy Ritchie's mm. short movie, and then sought him out and found this script. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's lots of interesting behind the scenes stories and uh, to do with you know how people cast and we've obviously got um non-actors playing parts in this yeah um how it wasn't going to get they couldn't get distribution in america and it was basically going to fall through and then um through i think trudy styler again and through sting tom cruise got a phone call and was asked to turn up to a to a, an american press screening um a bias screening i think they call it and he turned up and he watched it and he loved it. And then that was basically enough. Like Tom Cruise walked in the room and watched the film and laughed and enjoyed it. So therefore it got bought and got distribution. And it, it does have that sense of like, as you said before, and as I think we can talk about with the States, because we should probably talk about them at some point. Sure. <laughs> we're, getting that, that, we're getting there. That underdog spirit has that sense, doesn't it? Of like, you know, just over a million budget. It's working. It's got a lot to work against to try and claw its way up and be a success. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. It is very much. Uh, you've got to appreciate it. Like we said, it takes a lot for any films to get made, mm. and for anyone mm. to be given a decent spotlight. And and the fact that that Trudy found it, thought there was something to it, thought there was a rawness and energy, a power for this mm. storytelling, for mm. this type of storytelling, is amazing. And you know love or loathe Guy Ritchie you can't you know he is very talented filmmaker you know maybe not all of his films are hits but he does hit the nail on the head and I think having Statham in that mm. like like we said he he was the kind of the plucky mm. young geezer you know you know selling selling his wares on the street and stuff and uh and that energy does come across and i read that uh jason fleming who is mm. who's, uh, who's in the who's in the film and i love him in almost everything he's in as well um you know they were taking the piss out of him because he's the only one who hadn't committed a crime didn't have a crime right. record. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like oh, all right clean you know clean shirt or whatever um they'd just be like you know <laughs> and he's like all right like you said they've hired the hired real gangsters criminals mm-hmm. Uh, people you know with with records and reputations and I think that adds a a level of of kind of realism but also a level of kind of cheeky British humor as well there's there's a like humor is very very different obviously all over the world and you know if you're from different cultures you might not necessarily get humor Mm. Uh, the humor of a different culture um, primarily but uh, there is something like quite uniquely British about this And Mm. and I think you're right there is a there's a uh, there's a it's not you know it's not a, like a flag waving alt-right no. parade or no, something no, no, no. like that or a you know anything like that it's it's a kind of it's a plucky underdog spirit mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. people trying to scrape by get mm. by as, as best they can 
find the best situation, get out, do do what they need to, you know, all the way all the way through this. They're trying to like sell off stuff, the guns or mm. sell off, you know, just any any bit of money. And and that's tends to be what gets everybody in trouble is them trying to make more money than they they have. Mm. Um, you know, like Nick Nick the Greek as well, I think he's a great character in this. And um you know, <laughs> trying to get a you know he's got brings out a massive wad of money and he's, he's like he's like oh yeah just knock 100 quid off it though and they're like fuck off yeah you can afford this you go i could uh, shake a couple of dozen donkeys with that absolutely yeah some great dialogue as well i think yeah. he's um it's one of my choice. one of my, yeah some choice dialogue one of my favorite quotes was uh when they're trying to break into the big weed kind of mm. cellar place uh or the, with the cage and everything and they start shooting him with the bb gun and mm. he's like oh, oh i've just been shot oh i've just been shot as well and he's like we'll we'll both of you with everyone just stop being shot yeah. for two minutes <laughs> you know i just thought fucking genius i was on the floor uh laughing but i, I, th- I think you know i think if anybody if any kind of you know, again, it's a Guy Ritchie story. It's a mm-hmm, Jason mm-hmm. Statham story. These characters are very lived in and, and are very real mm. because they're basically just these guys, you know, the young, you know, want to be kind of big, big name actors that are trying their best to get somewhere. Mm. And, you know, and they believe in it. And Dexter Fletcher, there's, there's absolute huge names in this that go on to do, you know, mm. much better things or not better, but bigger things or, yeah. you know, Dexter Fletcher's, you know, he's directing now and stuff and Jason Fleming's all over the place, you know, Statham, you know, like, mm. you know Vin- Vinnie Jones is in stuff. I, I, I think he's acting- he had a hot moment for a while. Yeah, he did have a hot moment. I think his best acting is probably in this. Maybe that and Mean Snatch. Yeah. Snatch, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think after that, he just goes off the rails a bit and he just becomes the hooligan and that's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. That's all he can do. Um, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I think it, I think it's great. And I think the fact that it even got made is is uh, wonderful. It's, an, it's an op- a true opportunity that was grabbed with both hands and taken by these young actors, writers yeah. and directors. Yeah. It's what I've come to coin... Um... Richie's cockney guns and geezers type films, isn't it? And that, you know, sadly, even King Arthur fits into that, um, Mm. which he really shouldn't have done. I remember seeing the trailer and I went, ah, right. Oh, man. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) watch it for the longest time. But as you said earlier, I'm a completist. And I I sat and watched it. And uh, I can now have an opinion because I have seen it. That's all I can. That's all I'll say. All right, so I think at some point we should probably outline, just in case anybody's listening and hasn't seen the movie, (laughs) exactly what happens. Do you fancy giving a little plot synopsis? Good luck. I'll I'll try, yeah. That's why I've asked you to do it. Oh, you prick. Uh, (laughs) um, So it is a... Starts off with... uh, uh, It's a gambling... There's a gambling game. There's a specific gambling game. And there's a group of kind of, um, you know, these, again, up-and-comer lads kind of... You know, just just proper geezers is probably the best way to describe mm. them. Mm. You know, they're on the street. They're trying to sell stolen wares and the coppers run after them and stuff. Um, so they managed to get enough money together to get to enter a, a secret kind of poker game with a guy mm. called Hatchet Harry, who is uh, who is a top level kind of gangster in the area, who is known to be doing some very dodgy shit. And you see one scene of him beat another guy with a dildo because he works mm. out of like a, a sex shop. Like a porn baron, isn't he? Yeah, Porn Baron, that's probably the best way to, to describe it. And the young lad gets in there um, and he... He basically is really good at reading people and reactions, mm. and that's his trick. And so he believes he can win this game. However, 
uh, Hatchet Harry as as a, an inside man. And he's got this little kind of machine attached to his leg, which is telling him what the other cards are in the other Very Goldfinger. Yeah, I thought it was a bit, it was very like... Lifted okay. from that, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of that whole thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was a bit weirder with the kind of tappy leg thing. Mm. Um, mm. But I guess it's kind of like Morse code or something it must mm-hmm. be tapping away at, because both older fellas, they probably know how to do Morse code. And uh, and yeah, so, so the young lad, he loses the game uh, only after... He said, oh, I can't make this bet. I can't afford to, you know, no one's going to lend me the money. And Hatch Harry says, I'll lend you the money. And then by the end of the game, he's he's in debt to Harry by, was it 500 grand? I think. Yeah. Yeah, half a million. Which yeah. is, yeah. And he, and he has 10 days or a week. A week, I think, get, yeah. A week, week to get the money together. And because his mates lent him the money, they are also included. Mm. And obviously, they're going to cut off fingers. And then his dad, is who has a bar, it, that could be taken away from him. His dad could be killed. And his dad is played by Sting, which kind of took me out of the film a little bit. Mm. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, it was kind of like, oh, Sting's here. Because he doesn't, he <laughs> doesn't really do anything. He kind of he's just there. I, yeah. I, I don't think it necessarily needed to be Sting. No. Um, I, I found it a bit distracting. It's not like you know June or something where mm-hmm, he makes mm-hmm. this big, you know, and he's he's acting his tits off. It's kind of just like, well, yeah, I'm um, Sting. Yeah, it is um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just there. So I, I found that a little international market. So I presume. I get it. I get. It. I totally get it. You know, I understand mm. why he was in there. Obviously, Trudy and everything. Mm. Um, but it just it, it didn't really click for me that that particular person in that particular mm, role. No, role. Um, but yeah, that was one of the the bugaboos I had with the film, and not many, but just that one. Um, and yeah, so they have a week to figure out how to get this money, and they find out that their neighbours are some hardcore gangsters mm. as well, and they're going to rob a place uh, that is basically selling this high quality weed. Um, they're growers of of high quality weed. And they they are gonna kind of hold them up, <laughs> take take the weed and the money, and then sell it back to the guy. This is where it get com- gets complicated yep. and only gets more and more complicated. They're gonna sell it back to him, even though it's his weed. Yeah, unwittingly, they don't realize to be yeah. fair. They mm. don't know they don't know this, but this is what's gonna happen because the guy mm. they're selling it to is gonna sell it to another guy, and that happens to be the gangster who who owns or runs that weed mm-hmm. sweatshop, uh, growing place, whatever you call it. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not up with the drugs lingo. I don't know what no, you call me it. Neither. The high the hyper hyper hair, whatever they call it, hydrogener hydrogenger, whatever they call those, hydronic things. <laughs> uh, they grow weed there, basically. <laughs> it's a big place for growing weed. Um, but that is basically the plot, I, I, that I think. That is basically the plot. I mean, it's interesting because some people talk about it as being convoluted and complicated, which I think no. is is, I, un, is unfair. I think it's, it's yeah. multi-stranded. And as you said, all those strands come together at the end. But I don't think it's hard to follow. It's you have four different groups, right? Yeah. And as long as you can keep straight what these four different groups are, and it's not that hard, um, yeah. we kind of knit the Greek bopping in between them, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's got like the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. So you've mm-hmm. got like the guns come into it because Hatchet Harriet asks Nick the Greek to get, not Nick the Greek, the, his Harry the Baptist, the Hatch- yeah. Yeah, the Baptist to get some scousers or some mm-hmm. uh, northern monkeys, yeah. as he describes them, which I love. I love that whole section. Uh, I don't know if it's that kind to scousers, though. I think it's probably, you know, 
it's very much the um yeah like the, the one one eight stereotypical yeah absolutely yeah. yeah it's it's like the harry harry enfield sketch if you remember yeah. if you remember that like calm down calm down um, you know it's it reminds me of that a lot so i don't know if it's yeah maybe a little stereotypical mm-hmm. and there was there was there was a couple of like there was some you know uh, i could have done without some of the kind of homophobic stuff there was a little bit of that yeah. there this time but again i'm watching it fresh so i don't know you know uh, it was a different time we're talking 20 years ago so obviously yeah. we've got to take that in, it doesn't in it doesn't hand. play now you're right um uh, yeah a couple of times i was a little bit pulled out myself mm. with, with some of the language yeah. you know that's the, the core concept of the other show that i do tony is us looking at things yeah. through a modern lens and you look stuff. At, you look at that and it is a problem yeah it, i get people it's very, it's very just, brief i will yeah. say that it's very brief it's like a little monologue i think there is there is some kind of like you nancy or you you know there you, is this, you, the, you lady there's you some this. lads banter back and forth about yeah, like yeah you're not a proper man yeah the, what i found very interesting as well about the film was that a lot of the violence is cut away from yeah it's all which, off I, which, I, which i didn't expect like i because obviously it's all about these hardcore gangsters there's crime like you do get blood and stuff but but the act of the violence is mm-hmm. definitely off mm-hmm. screen mm-hmm. And, I, mm-hmm. and i guess i guess that kind of helps you know highlight the comedy of it all mm-hmm. um because you're not going oh fucking hell that's horrible you yeah. know you still get blood you still get dead bodies you still get stuff but it all the the actual, you know, and I guess during this time, the kind of MPAA or the BBFC were probably rating very violent films quite harshly, maybe, mm-hmm. um, depending, and they probably wanted a bigger audience to see this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe it's a 15. I want to say it's a 15. I think I think it is an 18. I think yeah. it does come is it in. It's still an 18? I think so, because okay. of the language. Yeah, probably. I, could, I think I it's something think... like 128 fucks. Mm. It's more than I've had in my lifetime. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> Not to mention, she said, you know, kind of slurs and, and yeah, know, true. Yeah, like, Rory chucks in a couple of see you next Tuesdays as mm. well. But then, but then, like obviously, times have changed as well. Uh, mm. You know, in in the rating standards, and obviously, there's always like, oh well, that wasn't as bad as that, so we'll have to give yeah. that lighter, you know, a lighter kind of rating and stuff. Um, you know, Deadpool was a 15, and that has mm. like multiple sex scenes, bodily dismemberments, you know, foul language, and that and that still got a 15 over here. So you know, yeah. it does it does vary. Um, but yeah, I it was it, I found that very interesting because I was like I expected it to be more violent and mm. it wasn't. But it wasn't like I did, it, it wasn't not at the film's detriment. I wasn't mm-hmm. like you know because violence I can I can take or leave. You know as long as it's done well and there's story behind it and there's a point to it or it's entertaining. You know it's ridiculous and stupid. Mm. You know uh, that's fine. But yeah, I, I I just I was surprised by that when I watched mm. it. It's definitely a creative choice. It's not, um, hmm. I, I feel it's more creative than it is commercial. I hear what you're saying about that. Like, hmm. It would provide you with uh, more opportunity for, to, to get the rating you wanted. But I think as it's native anyway, exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like they've tried to bar that down. I think they were quite no. happy knowing they were appealing to an adult audience. I think um, what it does is, as you said, it, they wanted to keep that balance between it being a gangster drama, but with the wacky comedy, which, yeah. you know, Italian job is famous for. And, and, you know, you said it, I don't want to just say words back at you, but it allows, allows that careful balance to be maintained all the way through. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I agree with my words. So there you go. <laughs> of um, course you do. I would agree with my words, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I, I, again, I think it's like you said, it's expertly done. I don't think it's over overly complicated. No. I've seen much more overly complicated films. Like you said, there's these core groups 
and if you can follow each strand and then mm. if you notice mm. it's like um it's like uh, something like trick trick or retreat which has mm. multiple stories going on at multiple different times and they do cross over uh, though mostly they're told one at a time there mm-hmm. is crossover and and slight you know uh, different things occur and you go and you notice little things about it mm. and i think this this one there is that element a bit but it's all kind of still going on it's all current it's all happening now mm-hmm. at in real time um, but yeah, I, I, I had no issue following it. And I, you know, as, as I am prone to do, I might look at my phone for five, two minutes or something, or mm. someone will tweet me or something and, you know, and I'll, I'll lose concentration. I'll go back to the film. And I didn't, I didn't go, Oh shit, I'll have to rewind. I don't know what the yeah, hell's going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. What's this? It's not a mind fuckery film. It's not, not I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard to follow. There's not that many characters. There's a few, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think if you know where they are, who they are, their influence to other people, their relationship to other people, you know, um, I, I found Pirates of the Caribbean more complicated than this. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, who's got the coin? I've got the coin. Where are we going? Oh, yeah. no, he got the coin now. Now we're going in another circle. That whole film is just a circle Yeah. until they reach the finale. As entertaining as it is, that's, that's that. And I found that more confusing and hard to follow than this. And there is some... There is some um, narrative trickery in this, isn't there? As you mentioned before, you get the mm. Samoan Joe pub scene when, as sure. they're walking in, which is a great moment, as they're walking in, a guy mm. comes out on fire and they're like, oh, well, and they walk into the pub anyway. Um, and then you get to see that story played out later in the film. So we do have that kind of like um, elliptical narrative editing. Mm. But, the, but I think the narrative structure, the cross-cutting between the different stories all mm. the way through is actually really well planned out and then really well edited. Because as you said, we have these four main guys. We have Ed, Bacon, Soap, and Tom, which is your core characters. And you've got your, is it Nick Moran, I think is his name, plays yeah. Ed. He's the one that doesn't seem to have gone on to do as much as everyone else. Then you've got no, Jason Statham. In... Gone. Yeah, sorry. I think it was in a Harry Potter film or a couple, He maybe. was, yeah. Sure. But but as you said, it. you consider what everyone else has gone on to do. He seems to be yeah. the one that's... Surprisingly, as, as the ostensible lead in this has gone on to have not as big mm. a career as everyone else. You know, I think yeah, you've got Jason Statham as his best mate, Bacon, and I think you can feel his charisma on the screen. He probably says oh, yeah. the least of anybody, but does does draw your eye. It's funny how some people can just do it. They draw your eye. And I did notice yeah. actually on this watch, he does get the first line in the movie and he does get the last line in the movie as well, which is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, that's a that's a creative choice. I think what what's interesting about him is he's he's not really got an arc in the story for no. himself, like a personal arc. It's it's just get the money. You yeah, know, we need to get the money, and that's yeah. what's going to save our lives and all of our. He's the calm one of the group, though, isn't he? He's always got a level head. Yeah, I, I like that as well because that's not what I expected from a Statham character because mm. they all start fighting, and he's like, right, fuck you now. Calm yeah. down. You know, we've got to sort this out. We've got to figure it out. If we fight amongst ourselves, we'll never get it done. Mm. Um, and and I, I was like, oh, shit. He's like, he's the nice one. Uh, you know? Yeah. And, and I will say one thing I, I didn't really get, uh, but apparently this makes more sense uh, when I read the IMDb, was that Jason Fleming's character keeps being called fat. Oh, yeah, even yeah. Though, even though he's rake thin. <laughs> but apparently the guy who plays Nick the Greek was mm. supposed to be that character, and that would make a lot of sense. So I don't get why they didn't just cut those lines or turn it into a different insult. Mm. It just didn't, it didn't really work for me. I was like, he's, not, he's clearly not fat. He's not, he's, not like, he's not sensitive about his weight. You can see he's not that bothered about the joke. It doesn't really mm. work. 
But it was just, yeah, I was just like, that's a weird choice to just keep that in, even though it's a t- totally different actor with a totally different mm. look. Like, like if he made fun of him because he was a ginger or something. Not that I'm condoning making fun of him. <laughs> but, you know, everybody tweet Dan sense. as a ginger, please. <laughs> Hashtag hates gingers. Yeah. Uh, no, no, don't cancel me, please. Uh, I'm so <laughs> careful not to be cancelled. Uh, but yeah, like that, that, that was just a weird thing. But yeah, you, you, again, he's not given a lot of dialogue, he's not given a lot mm. of. I mean, he's on screen a lot of the time you mm. know, for the majority of it. Um, and and I, I like when they're all getting drunk, that scene where they're all like, mm. they get all the money and straight away, what do they do? They go for a piss up. Yeah. They get they, they get they get some of the wacky backy out, start smoking it. He's very much the kind of more chilled out one. He's he the more sensible one. He's not one that's bringing knives to the pub. He's, he's not the one that's trying to sell off everything. You know, he's not the gambler. So he's he's basically the most likable, arguably the most mm. likable character in the film. I think that's true. He's sort of the grifter, isn't he? He's like the because mm. I have heard, I have read some criticisms of them, you know, of this idea of their not quite caricatures, but they, you know, you could kind of boil mm. them down to their main character trait, and they don't have really sure. any depth below that, which I think is probably fair. Mm. But I think the actors bring more to their performance, and I mm. think the way they deliver, which are catchphrasey lines it has been written to be sure. quotable and zingery and catchphrasey yeah. i think the way they deliver that brings it to life and i think that core group of four who we kind of we follow through this and we want we want to see succeed even though you know mm-hmm. they're doing some nefarious things feel like a grounded realistic group of people whereas everyone around them yeah. feel as you said like cartoony or overblown yeah. caricatures yeah they they feel like those kind of I think as well, there's there's a lack of um, obviously there's so many characters anyway that you have mm. to keep track of mm. and and know what they want and how they're going to get it and what they're going to do and 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 again keeping track of that plot again it's not I don't think it's complicated but I do no. think you need to you do need to watch it and pay attention mm-hmm. as well as well I don't think you can just you know fall asleep at the wheel and just expect the movie to be good right at the end I think there is a tabula rasa aspect that you can mm-hmm. put yourself on one of those you know archetypes. You know, you've got you've got the one that is a bit dark and a bit mental. You mm-hmm. know, you've got the one who's a bit of a gambler, a bit of a chancer. You've got the one who's just a genuinely nice guy. He's happy to be there. Might like might like the occasional toke or drink. You know, and then you've got the guy who's you know out there trying to make a book off anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone has an aspect. Those are very singular aspects that anyone could identify with on some mm-hmm. level. Um, and I think that's what you need. Again, you need a little bit of a grounding point against those caricatures as well and the mm. and the wacky antics if you if you could call them that 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 do occur even though there is a level of seriousness and uh, to the violence and a realism mm-hmm. to the violence mm-hmm. it's not cartoon violence because we don't see it and mm. you know and, and again I, I think you were absolutely right I think the balance is is you know razor thin and mm. I think I think it straddles the line just just perfectly there um again I think my main issues with the film is maybe just pacing and editing Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and maybe, maybe I, I don't know if I, the fisheye lens, uh, you mm. know, uh, I think that may, might have been overused because um, I was just like, okay, here we go again. You know, yeah. Um, but again, it's it's a young filmmaker trying shit out. So I get yeah, it. Absolutely. I absolutely yeah. get it. And why, why wouldn't you? It's your opportunity to do stuff, to experiment, to do things, to try things. Um, you know, things might not work, might not turn out, but if you can work with that, you can roll with that. You know, you can get something like Lockstock, which is, it is great. 
Mm. The violence when it is there does feel threatening, doesn't it? So yeah. when you've got the dog character, which is the leader of the, mm. the gang next door, when he's got the guy hung up from the ceiling and the, the two partners working together and he's hitting golf balls out of another one's mm. mouth, that feels quite dangerous and threatening. And oh, when yeah. obviously uh, Finney Jones' big Chris gets him at the end of the movie with the corridor very famous scene like i think even if people mm-hmm. haven't seen lots of they probably know of this moment in the movie mm-hmm. where um finney jones wails on on, mm-hmm. on dog um feels dark and dangerous doesn't it yeah like everything with dog is really intimidating even mm. the stuff with breaker who is he's obviously yeah. the short short guy with a big fro you know he's he's meant to kind of it's almost like a soul glow type yeah. you know uh back uh, you know uh coming to america style yeah yeah yeah, style, yeah. you know shiny thro- fro um and but like you get that monologue from from oh, who is it somebody who, who talks about breaker famous face oh danny john jules uh cat from red dwarf cat from red dwarf i knew it was somebody yeah. i was like shit I, I was like somebody i was like oh shit it's cat from red dwarf without going it's cat from red dwarf and he gets subtitles because of his cockney uh <laughs> cockney rhyming slang but like but again i you know totally understand we get it um and yeah and that's intimidating and, and he has a mm. presence and i'm i'm cons- i'm always concerned when someone was in his presence even though yeah. he's again it's a small of stature he looks mm-hmm. a little ridiculous but his his the performance is there mm-hmm. and you believe that he will fuck you up these massive guys are working for him you know they don't bat an eye they're like you know he's making fun of them and calling them dicks and whatever and you believe it. And when he goes into that that situation where it's a big shootout mm. and the confusion happens between Dog's gang and his gang, um, you know, it is it's it's scary and it's mm. it's disturbing and it's yeah. Again, you don't see it. You don't. It's mm. not something. It's not something that's that's explicit and shown. But he's the only one that's surviving by the end of it yeah. until the last until the very last minute when they run in, they grab the stuff and go out, and then he dies. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, spoilers for the film. Uh, yeah, we should have said that at top. The spoilers for the film, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's a tw- it's twenty. You know, it's over twenty years old. Come on, it is. Yeah, know. you know, I'm sorry, uh, but but yeah, I, I you know, you I think all the gangster characters, even though again they're these wacky caricature archetypes, you know, a lot of them were gangsters. A lot of the mm. new real gangsters, you know, it's there's a believability to that mm. insanity, like a Bronson or something mm-hmm. like that. Or a you know a a chopper from mm. Eric, with Eric Bana. Interesting. Yeah. You know, there's there's that believability, but also that humor to it as well, mm-hmm. and the darkness balancing all out with that. And again, I think this this is a film that balances all those elements very very expertly. Mm. There's a definite morality to the film, isn't there? Because as you mm. said, you know, Roy Breaker dies. All the key kind of dangerous gangsters mm. the villains if you like mm. get a comeuppance by the end and those that live by a moral code even if they're willing to beat the shit out of somebody and sure. to beat them to death with a car door he he's driven to do that by his morality because his son was put in danger little chris mm. was put in danger the rest of the movie we've actually seen big chris Vinnie james's character abide by this almost kind of um samurai-esque uh, Ronan-esque like moral code where he's you know mm. he, he doesn't take people out doesn't hurt people unless he has to his mere presence mm. is enough so I think the film does definitely offer that that sense of mm. that there's level there's levels of criminality with within the world yeah. that we're in yeah of course well it's like it's like in prison like I did a podcast on top mm. five prison movies so I went full deep and you know i've i've visited a prison as well which was a very scary experience but mm. uh, maybe not for this podcast it's a long story 
but there is there is a ranking there is mm. you know if you're a, if you're a pedophile or you're a sex offender you're known to be you know you may be treated and or killed mm-hmm. you know uh, because of because of that you know the that sort of thing if you've killed a pedophile you might be a hero in within the prison mm. system um people don't talk about what they're in for because if they find out you know it might endanger them or something it's, it's kind of the code um so there is there is that and uh and yeah and i think there's there's very much that within within this however even though the good guys you know effectively get off scot-free and you know the guns the guns i I think it's maybe the complicated thing is just keeping track of who has the guns Mm -hmm. i think that's probably Mm -hmm. more complicated um the complicated idea but again they just it comes full circle anyway you find out eventually even if you forget where they are they turn up very soon and you see them again and you know who's got them where um but the good guys don't necessarily win no and they're not they're not morally, again, like you said, they're not morally necessarily good people. They are mm-hmm. criminal people. They are doing criminal activities. You know, they're beating up the traffic warden, Rob Bryden, <laughs> uh, which who I was happy to see. Again, I love all the familiar faces as well. I was like, oh, shit, it's him. And oh, shit, it's him. Um, I was watching it and I, uh, I watched a young Sherlock Holmes recently. Mm. And young, not only does this film have a Moriarty, who, uh, who is uh, the, <laughs> the actor who plays uh, who plays Hatchet Harry, but you have the young Sherlock Holmes, uh, who is one of the weed sellers, plays the character of Jay. I think it's Nicholas Rowe, I want to say. Um, I think that's his, his name. Yeah, I've never um, seen young Sherlock Holmes, you know. Oh, you know what? I might do it this Christmas for the alternativity oh, stories, nice. maybe. There's my excuse. Yeah, there you go. There's I might do. I'm not decided yet. I'm not 100 percent decided, but I might I might do it. We'll see. But I I, I quite enjoy it. Spoilers. Mm. Um, it's very it's Chris Columbus, and it's very if you like Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. you you'll get you okay. you can see you can see the origin of the Harry Potter films mm-hmm. and the style of Harry mm-hmm. Potter films from Chris Columbus. Also has a post credit scene, just so you know. Mm. Young Sherlock Holmes, one of the first, I think. But yeah, uh, it's it's a great film, and I think. Like you said, the the like we were saying, the morality of it, mm. it, it, it doesn't say, oh, if you just stand by, because because the the whole film, it's it's them, it's a lot of inaction from the heroes in a yeah. way. They don't they don't affect the plot that much. The kind of stuff just happens around them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of like a almost like a chaos theory type thing. It's just mm. like you know they do set off a chain of events, kind of like a chaos theory, um, and then it comes back around, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. It doesn't explicitly say they win, or no. that they're good people, or that everything's going to work out for them. Not at all. It, it says, you know, it says that yeah, we're not actively violent. We didn't kill anybody. We didn't do any evil things. Potentially, mm-hmm. we didn't. You know, the people we were robbing were criminals. So yeah. you know, you know, it's it's more like it's yeah. It's, they are kind of good, mm-hmm. chaotic good, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, there's it. It never outwardly says. You know, these are the, these are the good guys. Mm. Even though, even though you're they're your kind of characters you follow and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. your protagonists, it never says you know being a criminal and doing dodgy gambling deals is great, and stealing weed and money is good, and robbing expensive guns. <laughs> you know, um, it never actively says that, which is which is also interesting as well. It's another interesting kind of layer. Uh, to to the film and to the characters and and to the ideas they were playing with and the and the stuff, um, but yeah, I think I think that does play in again to that Italian job feel because mm. again, they're potentially dodgy people, not the dodgiest of people, but you know, and and there's that fun where whether or not they got what they want, and again, you can I kind of like those endings because you can kind of make up your own mind about it. Absolutely, yeah, 
you can go, oh, they got away, they lived, they're fine, they've got all the money, they're great. Or you can be like, no, nah, they got arrested and they went down for years. You, mm. know, you can have your good, you have your cake and eat it. You know, it can, it's like a like those choose your own adventure books. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right, let's circle back around to the state thing because you said something sure. really interesting before about how, like, perhaps him being the quiet, sensible. These aren't the exact words you used, obviously, but <laughs> the the level-headed character within the group is not necessarily what you might have expected. So you're obviously no. bringing in your experience of him as an actor in his later work, mm. and I look at him in this person. So why do you think that is? I think with certain actors, like we talked about, like the ones that he's inspired by, there is yeah. a, set, a set expectation. Like I said, when I saw Wildcard or like two-thirds mm. of Wildcard, you know, there was an expectation that it was going to be an action film because mm-hmm, Statham mm-hmm, was in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I expected him to kick some ass and to shoot guys or to do whatever, you know, or to rob something, you know. And it's not real. that film is not really that. And and I think when I look when I look back at it and did research on it, I was like, oh shit, it meant to, it was meant to be something a bit different mm. for him and his career. And I think there is a stereotypical, we see a st- there's a stereotypical Stallone. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, what we expect from Clint Eastwood. We have expectations on certain actors to do certain things, you know. Um, you know, you were talking about large filmographies. Look at Nicolas Cage or look at Samuel uh, Jackson. Yeah. You know, we expect Samuel Jackson to be Samuel Jackson in whatever role he does, you know. Uh, you know, and there are some ones where he's a little bit more of a character actor and he'll really change himself or, you know, do something a bit different. And then same with Nick Cage as well, but we still kind of expect a level of consistency because it's the same person, same voice, same body, yeah, same skills, you know, and we kind of, there is an expectation. Again, we can get in our way a little bit. And I think it, the, my, I, again, I didn't want to have expectations coming into this film. Mm. Um, and I, I tried not to. And, and again, I very, very much enjoyed it. Yeah, there's stuff I don't really like about it, but it's still very, very solid in filmmaking, storytelling, acting, whatever, mm. uh, cinematography, you name it. But yeah, I think I think sometimes there is an expectation from a person, from an actor, from, you know, we expect Nick Cage to be a bit weird. And, he, and sure. in most films, he's pretty weird, you know. And people, <laughs> people, have gone, people have gone into Morbius recently expecting Jared Leto to be weird and wacky and yeah. over, over the top and method actory. Um, but apparently, from what I've heard, he's like, no, he just plays the role as a, a, an actor would. That is just, you know, he, he fills his job role. He's like, mm-hmm. I played Michael Morbius. It's not any over-the-top or weirdness or anything like that. You know, he's not drinking marinara sauce to become Italian <laughs> or anything like that. You know, it, it's just, he's just done that role. And I think Statham, you know, there there will be an expectation, I think, from a lot of people coming into this, like myself, that he would mm-hmm. be, and maybe a bit more like his character in Snatch, which is very similar, very similar mm-hmm. character. Um, but I think he's a bit more, he's got a bit more agency, he's a bit more on a hard man. Um, a bit more verbose. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, a bit more wordy. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you can kind of see it there, what his kind of, he kind of felt, I felt like he nailed what he wanted to be or his style. Because mm. there are moments in this where they look a little bit, as 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 actors do sometimes, they look a bit like, not deer in headlights, but something mm. where it's like they're a bit, they're a little off or they're just a little bit, maybe a bit nervous or Agreed. something. something's a little, 
And that's another thing I noticed, just because they're a bit green, I think is the best the best term to use. Um, you know, this is a big film, big opportunity, lots of money behind it. Mm. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of nervousness or not sure if it's going to work. Will we pull it off? You know, you know, I've done films and stuff where I've, you know, I've, I've been in something and I went, yeah, this will be great. And then I'm like, oh, no, it wasn't. Mm. Um, you know, not necessarily because of me or, or anybody else. It just it just didn't turn out as well as we thought. Um, but yeah, I think there is there is an element of a, They've not quite got that je ne sais quoi. He hasn't mm-hmm. got his je ne sais quoi yet, mm. I think, Statham. I think he's just like, I'm going to be this guy. I'm this guy. This is me playing this guy. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think we get I don't think we get the Stath, if you want to call it. Agreed. The stereotypical Stath until maybe yeah. Snatch or further when he goes, no. Like, I think, I think the best word is kind of finding your feet. So, mm. like, in, in acting terms, you have to find get your shoes find your walk find how the character moves mm. uh, and and i think he hadn't done that just yet no i think that's fair um and it, and i'm not i'm not saying he's a poor actor i'm not saying anything i'm saying you know i've i've been in shows and i'm like i've no fucking idea what i'm doing we'll see how this turns out i'm nervous as fuck you know it, it does happen you know you're not you're just not quite sure sometimes and it's not necessarily you or the performance or anything it's just it might be where your head's at or where you are and and yeah, I think there is there is an element of that with him, and I think with the other actors as well. Um, but I, I also think maybe the other actors had a bit more experience with mm. him, from what I've heard. Like obviously, he's had all these different uh, lifestyles he's led and stuff mm-hmm. he's done, you know. Um, and it, and I think these guys have been like theatre and acting yeah. and drama yeah, yeah, students yeah. from day one. So I, I think, think you can, you know, yeah, you can always tell when the scene either cuts to or features or you know we go from one season to another and you can tell who are more seasoned pros and who are the more mm-hmm. um non-actors or people who have been not necessarily yeah. stunt cast i wouldn't say they're stunt cast but people have you know you've got a box haven't you playing the the doorman mm-hmm. um it's a hatchet harry's club when they're, they're playing the card game and so i think you can tell those ones who are not trained or not experienced mm-hmm. actors sure. i mean i think it's it, it's a fascinating trend we seem to have in British filmmaking because I saw I thought before you know thinking of you know the state is the one we're going to talk about today but there are other people within this who who are not actors um Barry the Baptist I think you know is another guy who's you know brought in for his persona on screen rather than Mm. the fact that he's an actor it does seem to be something we we tend to do I mean obviously Ken Loach Mm. is a massive proponent of this but um I love Shea Meadows Shea Meadows is one of Mm. my favorite filmmakers and he does this all the time as well. And you look at the people who've gone on to have careers because he's discovered them or he's given them a chance or... Yeah, it's a really interesting trend we seem to have in British mm-hmm. filmmaking. And like, I think this is Vinnie Jones' first active role as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's he's a non-actor. He's a footballer. He's, yep. you know, pundit and commentator, whatever he was doing at the time. And this is his first acting role. And I think I said earlier, I think it's one of his best because mm. I think he's... There's, there's a... It's not over the top and manic and mad mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. some of his later roles, like Eurotrip or The Juggernaut or things like yeah. that. You know, bitch. there's a <laughs> I'm the Juggernaut bitch. Um, it's there's there, there's a believability to it. It's still over yeah. the top and, and wacky, but there's there's a I think the ground the him having a kid there does ground mm-hmm. it a little bit as well, mm-hmm. and it makes you makes it a bit more believable. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a lot of fun there, a lot of humor there between them, and again, morality wise as well, he has that code and he everything. does, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, and and he's excellent. I, you know, I, I'd arguably say Sting was was my least favorite. And again, mm. he's 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 an actor. He has been at in mm. other things. Mm. You know, Quadrophenia and um, June and lots of other stuff. Uh, the Bride. I think he did a Frankenstein movie and some other stuff. You know, he he's actually more more mm. seasoned mm. than Jones was. I think he was probably had the the least strongest performance out of all the multitude of actors that are in it mm. uh, for as however however long or short they're in it. Um, and again, it is top quality British acting talent uh, that is on the screen and, and talent behind the camera as well, mm. just all over. And again, this is just a very I I, I like these humble beginnings mm. for Statham because it's it's nice to see how he grows and and I'm sure throughout your podcast it'll be interesting to see. Mm him a growing confidence and kind of get over this nervousness that maybe he had. And again, maybe that was it, that he's surrounded by all these, not mm. only are, not only are they surrounded by hardened criminals, they're also, he's also surrounded by seasoned actors, but, you know, yeah. practiced, you know, they've done, they've done the work, they've done the time, they've done the auditions and he probably hasn't. He's very new to this and a Absolutely. Bit like, not sure of his footing. He's been a painted dancer. He's been a market trader. He's been a diver. He's been a model. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's perhaps a little bit out of his depth here, but I think as we said, right back at the start, Mm. he does enough. He has enough charisma, enough presence. I do feel drawn to him in scenes when perhaps other people are doing more. And I think Mm. clearly Guy Ritchie was drawn to him and a lot of other people, because it doesn't take a lot, a long time. You know, we're looking at a couple of years, suddenly he's been cast in Hollywood movies opposite Jet Li and, so there, there's definitely something about him immediately. I definitely saw, I think, I think I read somewhere that kind of the whole thing about the guns at the end was a reshoot. But that yes, yeah. initially they got away with the money and yeah. people reacted poorly to that. And rightly so. Yeah. Uh, and and I, think, I think they made the right choice in doing the scene. But I definitely saw a sneak of the state when they're tr- arguing over who's going to phone him. Yeah. Because he gets he gets kind of like he's like it's not like oh, I'm chilled out now I'm you know on the stave um, I've you know, got him on like, the fucking phone yeah yeah <laughs> he's fucking ringing you yeah know, all that it's like that was that was I was like there he is I can see yeah. him. he's coming he's coming out he's coming out of his cocoon he's it's coming for us yeah you know, definitely it, there's definite maybe I don't know how much time had passed or you mm. know if it had been a year or two or if it had been in other films by this point uh, whatever or, or had more practice. But there's definite, there's definitely mm. like a little hint there of him, the more kind of stereotypical aggressive state, yeah. as we know. That's a really interesting insight because I did read that it took a couple of years from you know kind of the start of the process to the distribution to get out in the cinemas. So perhaps depending on where mm. this reshoot took place within that process, you're right. He'd mm. gone on and been in Snatch or you know. Mm had some acting lessons or done this and done that. Yeah, that's sure. really interesting. Like, like could have taken, you know, acting classes are available. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it, you know, if you don't have to necessarily go to university or drama school, there are, mm. there are people and places you can learn and stuff. Mm. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. And then he felt more confident. And when it came to that scene, and again, p- played expertly by the actors, written well. Um, and, and again, I think it's a solid ending. It's the right ending mm. for that film and for that story. Uh, and it's hilarious and it's brilliant and they're arguing about it and I love I love how ancient all the phones are I was like yes <laughs> these are these are cool um but yeah it's uh it's a it's a really fun film and I'm I'm uh, I'm excited I'm gonna see if I can try and keep up with uh with the Statham filmography as nice. well with your with your podcast see if I can 
uh, keep up because I want to watch Snatch again, and there's yeah. a lot of the other ones I'm I'm either going to come on and watch for you, or I'm just going to I'm going to try and watch because there's, there's, again, there's a lot I haven't seen as well. As mm. you know, I've only seen you said it's forty plus, and there's only I've only seen about ten or so, maybe more. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to uh, carry on the the tradition of, of back to the filmography. One every couple of weeks, we can hopefully yeah. uh, hopefully find do that easy. That. All right. So I think we've got into it, haven't we? I think we've talked about lots of that. We've talked about the stage. Sure. That's what we think. Shall we consider what everybody else thinks? Oh, yes, please. So what I thought I'd do for this section is consider some fan reviews of the film, but especially focus them in on the stage performance within it. And what I've decided to do is to call these from Letterbox, a service I use quite frequently. What about yourself? Are you a Letterbox user? Um, I usually go on there if I'm looking, if I'm doing research, because they make these really intense lists of mm. stuff, like, and can be very specific sometimes mm. if you're looking for, like, for example, when I was, like, collating all the shock phobia fest and alternativity mm-hmm. stories stuff, anything that's kind of, you know, because a lot of films won't say that they're set around, you know, Christmas necessarily, mm. or but if, if I'm looking for those ones that have almost barely set around those things, um, especially the Christmas ones, that's usually a really good uh, place to look at those lists because people mm-hmm. kind of often people do better research than yourself <laughs> so why not why not steal from the best um so yeah they're really it's really good for kind of finding a group of films that have a unique style or take or you know the same directors or if you're looking for just all of the exploitation films from mm. you know 1900 to 2010 they've got a list for you so yeah. I, I think it's i think it's a great service i'm not i don't sign up to it or subscribe to it but i do visit the website a lot as with all of them, it's not perfect, but I think what I like about it is that it's user-driven mm. um, rather than, you know, being an algorithm website or anything like that. It's, you yeah. know, of course, there are still going to be flaws and holes in picking it, but sure. it's it, some people go on there, they try to be glib and funny rather than actually mm. um, say anything insightful. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of somewhere in, I think it's the kind of perfect middle ground between like a, a Rotten Tomatoes, which like mm. we said, we talked about, we're not massively keen on, um, you know, because it's not a good kind of aggregate for for quality. Mm. Um, but then it's also not like an Amazon review where it's like, I really like this film, but it's got boobies. Exactly. Five stars, you know, it's it's somewhere in a, in the middle where you've got your average fans and average kind of film watchers, mm-hmm. but then you've also got like Josh Trank did a review on his own Fantastic <laughs> Four, which I quite enjoyed. You know, you've got these 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 top level uh, top level, you know, well respected and you know practiced film, you know, either reviewers or stars mm. or directors, writers, you name it all within this one kind of centralised uh, website, which I think mm. is uh, it's quite a unique space, actually. Yeah, and you can decide who to pay attention and who not, which is, um, you know, you, you learn very quickly who are the ones you want to read and ones you want to avoid. Absolutely. Well, I read yours all the time, Jack. Well, I appreciate your support. All right, so I've got a very quick one to start with from Emily Housel. Obviously, I'm going to say all these people's names wrong. They're never going to hear it anyway, so who cares? No. Um, <laughs> She says, way too much key lighting and the colour grading is kind of gross, which we touched upon. Mm. But they played a wannabe, your dog. Also, Jason Statham. Also, Jason Statham. I quite like the the, the point of that. Because like we said in our review, like he's not the main character. He's kind of silent and stoic and in the corner, but he does have something about him already in this movie that draws you into him. And I think that that really short like couple of words concisely puts that across i mean the film opens with him as well like mm. he's give he it, it literally starts on him the first shot is of him mm. and you know and you hear his voice before you even see him 
So you get a sense of him, you get a sense of who he is. He's this Cockney geezer, like we've said. And and yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of a kind of a unique cherry on the cake to see how he kind of ascends in his career. Mm. Ian Hobbs, he says, when it comes to performances, the film offers a great cast in the early years and features so many great quips and jokes between the group and their chemistry works so well. Jason Fleming, Jason Statham and Vinnie Jones were easily the highlights of the entire film as their characters are played to perfection. I couldn't believe it was Statham's debut as he was so funny and perfect in the role. Mm. Big fan of the Stath. Yeah. Thomas, just Thomas. I know him well. <laughs> um, he agrees with you. He says, all in all, I enjoyed Snatch a bit more. Mm-hmm. But Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels is also a damn good crime comedy. And obviously I'll get into that a bit more in the next episode. He did like to say, though, he, he did like to say, he did also say, though, I'd also like to see more Jason Statham roles like in this film. Um, I love his dry humour. So that idea of him being a bit more understated, maybe. Hmm. Understathomed. Oh, you see, that's the magic that you just can't, you can't account for that. It just comes from nowhere, it comes from improvisation. <laughs> And then last one that I, I pulled out was from a guy called Zach Milne. He said, Guy Ritchie kicked the door down when he released this movie. Him and Jason Statham went on to have successful careers and it all began here. Jason Statham really shows why he went on to success with his charisma and charm just oozing out of him. So all very positive, but to be honest, mm. I couldn't, and I trawled through a lot, of rev- a lot of reviews, I couldn't find any reviews that were negative about Jason Statham. There were negative reviews about the film, as there will be, but I couldn't sure. find anything. to. I was trying to be balanced, but everyone kind of said the same thing, like this is his first role and we could understand why he's gone on to have such success. Mm, yeah. Like, like we said, like you might not have the, the confidence mm. that he might necessarily get in, in his further films, but the charm, the charisma, the character, the, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's got a unique look as well. And I think all of that kind of builds to it. And again, like clearly not that the other guys have not had some level of success, mm. but he is just skyrocketed mm. to superstardom. And, and again, yeah, that's because of this and because this is the, the, the beginnings, the, the humble, humble beginnings of, of what we know of this uh, statholution, as, <laughs> as you so uh, excellently put it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's been great. I, I also noticed as well, like, because it's a Matthew Vaughan production mm. company, I noticed that all the act. I was thinking about the actors and I was like, they keep cropping up. So like Fleming and Fletcher are in Kick-Ass and things like that. So you can kind of see where all the kind of links, the tenuous links between everybody, the spider's web, as we've talked about, um, again, all all comes together in a way. And and again, Vinnie Jones was in Mean Machine, which is a Matthew Vaughan film, and Statham's in that. So mm-hmm. all connected. All so connected. you know. And I believe they've all stayed quite close since as well, um, I watched a documentary or documentary, watched an interview of Guy Ritchie, where, you know, me and Jace, we talk all the time. Me and Flems, we talk all the time. You know, I think they've all stayed really close, which is nice to, to feel like that kind of independent group have all come up together. Mm, yeah, I like that. It's very much like a kind of a League of Gentlemen type thing mm. where we all met together while they're relatively young and, and stayed tight while doing their own thing and then sometimes coming together as well. It's mm. great. To finish, let's consider the box office, which is not necessarily always an arbitrator of quality, but it is an important industry measuring stick, unfortunately. As mentioned earlier, 
Lotstock was produced for 1.35 million, but what it accrued was 28.1 million across the global box office. So a subjective hit for anyone's money. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you can't really argue with the numbers, can you? It's maths, the universal language. Um, you can't, it's, you can't argue or uh, you know dismiss what an impact this this film had box office wise. Mm. It's you know that for any independent film, mm. that's that's amazing. So no wonder they were like, let's get this green lit by Guy Ritchie. Let's get these guys back. Let's have him. Let's do that. What, who's, who's the guy in the production company? Give him layer cake. Let's do this. You know, absolutely makes, you know, and again, the, the English film industry was on its ass. Mm. It's absolutely on its ass. So it needed something. Um, I think you said that earlier, like it needed, you know, this kind of Brit pop, you know, mm. ar- anarchic style to come along and, and again, shake things up and get people kind of interested in in British film and, and English film and, and see what we can do as you know as, mm. as storytellers, basically on the on the the uh, silver screen. So, from your subjective point of view, I'm going to I'm just going to ask every guest. We're going to get a mm-hmm. choice of three categories. Okay. So, for you, from the safe filmography, is this a classic? Is this worth catching? Or is it for completists only? Okay. Okay. So classic, worth mm-hmm. catching, or completist only. Okay. I don't think it's... Is this? Is it a classic within his filmography? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, right. Uh, not just a, not in general. No, I, I, as a state, as a, as a staple state, part of his state illusion, part of his filmography, where would you place it within those three categories? Hmm. It's, it's tricky because... It's not like if people are coming in looking for a stathe and a mm. classic stathe, mm. this isn't necessarily what you would call a classic stathe for no. me. Um, but is it interesting to see his development? Is it interesting to see a kind of character he doesn't often play mm-hmm. um, and in a role where he's not really, again, necessarily that confident? Is it is it good to see a bit of vulnerability in an actor or a performer? Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? It's that's uh, That is down to you. Um but I, I think given his trajectory, given the quality of the film and the Guy Ritchie, you know, creative decisions and the other performance in it, it's it's definitely a catch. Mm. But I'm, I'm not sure if it's a classic. I don't I don't know if I've seen enough films to call it necessarily a classic. Mm-hmm. But again, me me only just seeing it now and appreciating it for now and for what it is. Mm. And again, I know I've compared it to Snatch a lot. And again, I've not seen Snatch for a while. Um, I'm, I'm going to say classic. I'm going to say Ooh, classic. Okay, just, just, just by a hair. <laughs> only because it kind of informs his character as a, as a person, as a performer mm-hmm. and, and where he, he goes next. Mm. Cause obviously he does, he works with Guy Ritchie a fair bit, I think more than probably most of the directors. Oh, I've seen the mechanic as well. See, I keep remembering. <laughs> Statham <laughs> films. Keep pop- I'm like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to just by a hair, I'm mm-hmm. going to call it a classic because again, it's the humble beginnings. It's the style. It's the company geezerness. It's the kind of uber violence. It's the you know foul mouth thing. It's it will inform who he is as mm. a performer and and an actor and the roles he picks or the roles he takes mm. going on. So just just by the thinnest of margins, I'll, I'll call it a classic. I love it. I think if not just for that moment that you picked out, which I think was such an insightful comment, that perhaps 
in that reshot ending, we see the beginnings of what is the true state. Mm, the birth of the state. Absolutely. Brill. Yeah. All right, then, sir. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, for helping me launch this show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. You've treat. done all the hard work. <laughs> Do you want to let people know where they can find you, your lovely show of your own, and what you have got coming up? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course I do. I love talking about myself. Uh, I always do it on other podcasts as well. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, Spider Dan and the Secret Balls. You can check all the stuff out on spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. That is B-O-R-E-S. I'm available on all good podcatchers, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, all the funny ones. Uh, I'm on YouTube as well. I don't do many videos. Mostly that's just for the Patreon. Uh, I do have a Patreon. So if you want to pay mm. me, uh, do that. Uh, as uh, one of my patrons is I Am Jack's Musings, my favorite patron. I mean, they're all good. They're all great. And I've just got a couple of new ones. They're all good. <laughs> I'll let it, it out. I'll let it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's good. And uh, and yeah, so you can, you can donate. You can read stuff. I've uh, just compiled a list of uh, collaborations on my website and on YouTube. So you can check out where I've guested on other people's shows. Um, I've been on uh, Jack's show, Seasons Greetings, been on Tony's show, Comics in Motion. You name it, I've been everywhere. Ang Angry mm. Andy Reviews, all, of, all over the show. Check out all those amazing people as well, because they're brilliant. 20th Century Geek, all the good people, Femon Film, uh, Pop Gorillas as well. Make mm. sure you check them out as well. All the good, good people. I'm great, but everyone is also of equal standing um, and brilliant people, kind, caring, passionate, and and just lovely. Um, so, yeah, and this has been lovely uh, being on Back to the Filmography. And uh, thank you for introducing me to Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. It was excellent. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great people in our in our group, but I think... I think it's worked out brilliantly that you were my first guest on because of like where we've grown from and where we're going yeah. to, I think in our podcasting uh, relationship, I think it's been a real treat. And uh, you've always got wizard month coming up, hopefully fairly I do, soon. Yeah. Oh, so that's yeah. something we're so, so, looking forward to. So June is going to be wizard month. I'm going to start working on it very soon in the next week or so. I've got a few that I want to just do ahead of time. So they're ready and maybe from my Patreon, I might release them a bit early as a treat. Ooh, lovely. If you're lucky, if you're lucky. Um, but yeah, no, this has been great, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on. Again, it is a complete honor to be the very first guest. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, it's all upwards from here. It's all in an upwards trajectory. The guests will only get better. Well, no, the guests won't get better, but hopefully, you know, maybe I'll find my thing a little bit more than the trajectory will be slightly up, but it'll be nothing to do with the guest at all to be to do with the host. Okay, well... This is this is humble beginnings for Statham. It's humble beginnings for you, but I think you're off to a very strong start, much like this classic Stath entry. Look at what I did there. Such a pro. Thank you, everyone else, for listening and for partaking in this journey with me through the Stath filmography. I have been I'm Jack's Musings, and just in case, that's J-A-C-S, and you can find me on Twitter where I am most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Film Og. And make sure you use the hashtag, follow their filmography. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillers, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people, 
dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers.